Hey, welcome to the Orchard. We are glad you're here today. Resurrection Sunday. I want to tell you uh, kind of a sad story. On Easter Sunday, um, one year, a, a preacher and a taxi driver were both tragically killed. And they went to heaven, and they saw St. Peter there. And St. Peter welcomed the taxi driver and the preacher in the pearly gates, and he said, come with me, follow me. And he, he led the taxi driver to this beautiful, huge mansion. And in this mansion in heaven, it had a bowling alley, had an Olympic-sized pool. And the taxi driver just couldn't believe it. It was like, are you, are, for me, are you, are you serious? Oh, thank you. And then St. Peter said to the, uh, the preacher, well, okay, follow me. And he led this preacher a little farther away to a, to a little old shack, and it had a black and white TV and a radio there, and and, and some bunk beds, and the, the preacher said, I, th- I think there's been a mix-up. I think there's been a little bit of a mistake, Mr. St. Peter, sir. Um, I'm a preacher, <laughs> and uh, I preached every Sunday. And St. Peter nodded his head, and so that's true, but during your Easter sermons, the people slept. And when the taxi driver drove, everyone prayed. <laughs> so my goal today is no sleeping. <laughs> Resurrection Sunday. I am glad you joined us today. And this morning, we're going to talk about how Christianity died. How the movement of Jesus ceased. And I want to remind you of something on Easter that we all kind of know, but I want to remind us of it, is that Easter isn't about a cross. I don't think a cross should be the first thing we think of when we think about Jesus and what he's done for us. The miracle of Easter and the central moment of Christianity is not the fact that Jesus died. As a theologian named William Wallace once told us, all people die. And in preparation for this Easter sermon, I went online and I I did some research, and it's true that 10 out of 10 people do die. Yeah? People die. Jesus died. But for all the focus on the cross, Easter can't be just about Jesus dying. I love the cross and all that it means to us. But Christianity did not launch because Jesus died. In fact, today we're going to talk about something quite the opposite. That said, do you know how amazing it is that we're all gathered here today? Whether you're at home, whether you're here, wherever you are. This this very day, around the globe, billions of people are going to gather and honor a Jewish builder and what he did this weekend. And as my words leave my mouth and as you hear them, millions of people right at this very second are celebrating this Christian holiday. And we we think it's pretty normal. It's pretty common. It's Easter, right? But if you go back and see what actually happened on that Easter, that first Easter Sunday, if you go back to that moment, it's actually quite strange that we're here together. The planet's largest religion on Easter Sunday had zero faithful followers. Do you know that? And after Jesus was crucified at the cross, Christianity, the Jesus movement, was as dead as he was. There in Jerusalem over the course of that weekend, Jesus' disciples and followers and fans, they all deserted him. In fact, even bold disciple Peter, who who would walk on water and stare into the face of the storm, he denied knowing Jesus in the face of a middle school girl. Jesus was arrested and tortured, and his fans, they turned in their jerseys. Jesus was paraded through the streets publicly. Followers turned and left. Jesus was nailed to a cross and died publicly for people to see. And his disciples at that, 
they fled and they hid. When Jesus died, he had no disciples left because disciples by nature require a rabbi. When Jesus died, Christianity had no followers because followers by nature need someone to follow. And there was no one. After his death, the Jesus movement had no movement. And this thing that right here that we're a part of, this gathering, this very day, was pretty much over before it even started. But why? Why is, why is Christianity in particular, why did it suffer this fate? Why is it different than other religions? And I'm glad you asked me here today because here's the facts. Any religious movement, any religious movement, regardless of whether it's centered around a deity or a guru's teaching, or maybe the thought that I'm a deity, or we can jump on board a comet, whatever it would be that that religion believes, it, it, there's a formula. And there are actually people who've dedicated their life to studying the formula of religious movements. In any religious movement, someone, man or a woman, claims to be a guru, or a prophet, or a link, or a teacher, or a leader, or a deity, and guess what they have? They have a message. They have a message, and, and they give this message, and the people who hear it, it gives them a new perspective, perhaps, on their, on their life, on, on how they should behave, on the afterlife, on how to get there, etc. And the more followers that follow, the more momentum this movement gets. But then something always happens in every religious movement, every one of them. That, that guru, that deity, that prophet, that messiah figure, whoever it would be, they die. They die. Muhammad died in his 60s of natural causes. Buddha died later in life after eating some spoiled food. Jerry Garcia died in 1995. Confucius passed away at the age of 71 from, from natural causes. In each religion, the founder, the guru, the prophet, they died. And after their death, their followers would also always you know, gather their writings and gather their teachings and, and say, we have to keep this going. Like, we got to keep it moving. So the principles of the guru would, would live on as long as the followers said, we, we got this, we're going to take it. But here's the problem with Jesus. Here's the big problem. Jesus, unlike any of those other movements, he wasn't pushing a message. Jesus' principles weren't his agenda. Track with me on this. When Jesus died, his disciples didn't gather up all his writings and teachings and say, we got to keep it going. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're like, no, no. Actually, pastor, that's exactly what happened. And they gathered up all his teachings and they put them in a book and then they put them in hotels and that's where we get this thing, right? I mean, come on, that's exactly what happened. But that's, that's not actually really what happened. Not really. You see, there is something about Jesus' message that is different than every other religious movement that made it hard to transfer the message once the leader died. In fact, when Jesus died, um, the message was kind of moot. And, and, and why? Because Jesus' message was Jesus. Jesus didn't come like a guru and say, hey, I know the way. I know the truth. I know the way to God. It's this way. Let's go. He, did, he didn't say that. He didn't do that. He was the message. He didn't point toward a message. In fact, what did he say? From his own mouth in the Bible, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. 
I am the life. And no one gets to the Father unless you come through me. See, Jesus was the message, which is why when he died, the movement died with him. When Jesus died, Christianity died. And a follower needs a leader to follow. But the followers had been following somebody, and that body was now in a tomb. That body was in the tomb for Friday and Saturday, and Sunday morning came, yeah? And it was then there at sunrise, and this is a beautiful moment, because on Sunday morning, three days later, some of Jesus' followers showed up at the tomb, and I know we're all thinking, finally, Someone takes him at his word and shows up on Sunday morning ready to see the risen Christ. They're there, they're ready, right? He said he'd come back after three days. We believed it. Sadly, no. These followers who had been with Jesus, who'd walked the paths and been on the journey with him, do you know what they brought with them when they showed up on that Sunday morning? brought with them burial spices to cover up the smell of a decomposing body. They showed up for a burial ritual. And the reason they showed up on Sunday wasn't because they believed it was resurrection day. It was because the, the day previously was the Sabbath and they couldn't go there. So this was the day they came. And that morning, they showed up on Sunday. They didn't show up with fireworks and party hats to meet a risen Savior. They showed up with some cologne to make the body not smell so bad. And so we have to look at this Jesus movement and see how the followers, how the disciples, how their faith is actually doing. And where are the disciples? Where, where are the disciples who traveled with Jesus through all this time? I know what you're thinking. That they should be at the tomb too, right? I mean, we, 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 of course, Peter and John and the guys are sitting there ribbing each other. Any minute now, here comes the sun. You know, they like, hold hands. Everybody hold hands. It's happening. Like they're ready. But do you know where the disciples were? Do you know where they were? They were hiding in fear in a house and wondering what to do with their lives and wondering if the last three years of their life was a complete waste of time. But we can't blame them. You know, we've seen the passion of the Christ. We know the end of the story, right? We've seen the movie, we've read, we know, but they didn't. If you're a disciple at this time, imagine what you would be feeling. I mean, you, you watched Jesus, you traveled behind him, you traveled with him, and you saw him do amazing things. You saw him heal the blind. You saw paralyzed people move. You saw the sick become well. You saw him calm the storm. You saw him work wonders. You heard him preach, and you saw people respond. And not only, not only did they respond, when he preached, your heart was gripped with conviction to change your life, and, and your faith was lit on fire like never before. And perhaps you, perhaps you left your home and your life to follow this Jesus who did these great works and said these great words, and you were, you were all in. This was the Messiah. And the Messiah is going to keep me from hardships, and he's going to rescue me from hardships. And, but then... The one that you had so much faith in? The one who was going to get you out of your hardships? He didn't even get himself out of his hardships. This Messiah, the one who had healed people, he couldn't even help himself. The one that you saw calm the storm, he couldn't even calm the, the Roman soldiers. Uh, the promises that, that he made, that you heard, how are they going to be fulfilled now? I mean, if you were a follower of Jesus back then, you would 
probably do what Peter and the other disciples and followers did. You'd go back to your old life. You'd try to make it a, as good a life as you could. Now, Peter went back to his father's fishing business. It, it tells us that two other disciples just packed up and started walking home to, to Emmaus. Like, I, I guess we're done. I guess we just, just go home. Followers had no one to follow. Because of what happened on the cross, the disciples were scared and scattered and cynical and skeptical. After all they had seen had been lost, all they had hoped had been lost. And if you were a follower and a hardship of this magnitude hits your life, it dashes your hopes. If you're a follower and, and, and hardship of this size hits your life, your faith starts to get shaky. Your disillusionment and your disappointment and what you thought was supposed to happen begins to rise up. Your doubt and those promises that you'd heard at some point, the hopes you'd have, the hardship broken. The faith you once felt quenched by the fear and the frustration. Broken and fading faith based on circumstances and hardships and frustrations. I believe the past 12 months has had this effect on many of us in our faith. And never before have I talked to so many people who have admitted that their faith has been tested. And never before have I talked to so many people who have admitted to me that their faith is crumbled. That whatever passion they had, it, it went cold. That whatever hope they had that God was going to make things better, it drained away. That whatever faith that they had and the passion that was once there, it, because of all the things that have been going on, it, it, it just faded into the background. The joy they once had in God or God's church is dulled. And many of us had our faith severely tested, shaken. Some of us, it has faded into the background over the past 12 months. Because of what happened on the cross, remember the disciples were scared, scattered, skeptical, and cynical. Because of what happened in our world, I believe what happened in our world, what happened in our, in our, our businesses, what happened in our, our state, what happened in our churches, what happened in our homes, what happened in our own hearts, I believe many of us have found ourselves scared, scattered, skeptical, and cynical. The effects have been profound. I talked to a lot of great people over the past 12 months who have turned away from God because of politics this last year because of how one side behaved, because of how a, a church or an organization endorsed somebody or didn't endorse somebody, or because of YouTube videos or because of mainstream media and flaming, like because of all of it on every side, I know some people who've walked away from faith. I would say the politics of this past year have impacted people's faith more than any year I've ever seen and more than I ever would have imagined. Earthly politics destroying heavenly promises. I talked to a lot of people who turned away from God or the church because of the pandemic and how it's being handled or how it's not being handled. People who simply walked away from their faith, not based on theology, not based on the word. People have walked away from their faith or their church based on a three-by-six piece of cloth on either side however it would be handled. 
The pandemic and the masks have all come, and they've not just divided our nation, they divided our households, our churches, our places of work. There's been division. People have walked away, not because of a Messiah, but because of a mask. I have talked to a lot of great people who've turned away from God because of the problems and the hardships of this past year that hit their life. I mean, let's just be honest. There's been some real, real hardships, unique to this year. Financial, business, some, some real health issues, sickness or death of loved ones, broken marriages and crumbling relationships, mental health issues, emotional depression. And let, just, just the ever-changing rules and the uncertainty of what's safe and what's not safe, like wash your groceries, don't wash your groceries, whatever, all the uncertainties that came. And then, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher at home, and my spouse never leaves. <laughs> and my social life is, my social life is a Zoom square. And I wear jammies, and then my pants won't fit anymore. They make elastic pants. I found that out. If you write that down. I mean, this past past year, our mental health, our emotional health, our relational health, financial health, all these things have taken a hit. In some way or another, we've all been impacted. We're anxious, or we're angry, we're frustrated, or we're afraid, whatever spectrum we fall on. And if we could just pause for one minute, just to have an honest moment with ourselves, an honest moment with God. Can we just admit that, that our faith got shaken and stirred this past 365 days? We got shaken, we got stirred up on some things. For some of us, it's left our faith like those disciples. And we're scared, scared of circumstances, Maybe shy or re-engage with God or, 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 or we're scattered. Our faith is scattered. There's been so many things that have, that have, that have hit that God hasn't proved that he's as strong as we thought. Our faith has been weakened. For others of us, we're skeptical. We're uncertain that God's even real or if God's still good. And then there's those of us who are cynical. That we've had enough of it. and We're ready to walk away. The disciples lived in each of those places and many of us fit in each of those places in a different way. The disciples, the disciples they saw, they watched the source of their hope and faith be put there on a cross, dead. They stood at the cross with more questions than answers. They stood there with their, and in their faith, all the faith that they'd had, they now had disillusionment and disappointment. You've been disillusioned or disappointed this past year? We find ourselves on similar footing with these followers of Jesus. Our faith like theirs deeply shaken. Our peace of mind like theirs pulled out from under us. Our joy in the normal things. See, this is why I'm glad. This is why I'm so relieved that Jesus' movement is not centered around the cross and the pain and the loss. The Jesus movement is centered around something far greater. The Jesus movement is centered, what it's centered on is what we need right now, right now in this room, wherever you are, what we need in our faith, in our hope, in our life, in our marriages. This is what we need because it changed everything for the disciples. It changed everything for them and it can change everything for you as well. The one event that changed everything was that Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. 
The resurrection is a game changer. Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. He finds a few of them on a road back to their house. He finds a lot of them locked up in a building, like locked away. He finds uh, some of them on a beach and he eats some fish. He appears to many of them and the resurrection changed everything for those disciples, everything for them. But from this point on, from that point on of meeting a resurrected Jesus, they went from broken faith and scared disciples, afraid of all the circumstances coming their way, locked in a room, and then reading Acts 4.33, it says this, the disciples testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them. They went from hiding in a room, afraid to say, I even know Jesus, to out in the street saying, you should know Jesus. The resurrection changes everything. A resurrection is the variable that will change how you see your life. It will change how you make decisions in your life. It reminds me of a man who who went on a trip to the Holy Land with his wife and his cranky mother-in-law. And while he was there in the Holy Land, she tragically passed. The undertaker undertaker came, came to him and said, well, here's the deal. We can ship her back to America for $5,000 or we can bury her here in the Holy Land for $150,000. It'd be a beautiful, beautiful burial. And the man thought about this sometime. He considered and he finally told the undertaker, I think I'm going to pay the $5,000 and have her sent back to America. The undertaker said, why? Why would you spend $5,000 to ship her to America when you can have her be buried right here and it's a beautiful burial in Jerusalem? He said, well, there was a man buried here about 2,000 years ago and he came to life three days later. And I just... I just can't take that chance. (laughs) You see, a a resurrection changes everything. It changes how you see life. It changes how you make your decisions. Listen, he didn't just, and here's the truth, Jesus didn't just resurrect. Jesus is the resurrection. He says this in John 11 from his mouth, I am the resurrection. Remember, he is the message. I am the resurrection. I am the life. If you believe in me, you will live even when you die. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the message. The movement of Jesus didn't come back to life until Jesus came back to life. Because Jesus is the message, and when he is alive, Christianity is alive. And on Easter, the the, uh, resurrection declares that no matter how broken your life, no matter how shattered your faith, no matter how drained your hope, no matter your past, the past sins you've created, the resurrection declares that you can have new life. The resurrection calls you to renewal, to revival, and to redemption. In 2020, the problems and issues we had, we, they, they got higher and louder than ever before. Remember just the constant every day, every news, every, everything was louder. Everything was elevated higher. In the media, in our conversations, the water cooler, in our minds, in our hearts, the constant volume of bad news was just over the top. And in 2021, what our faith needs most, what we need most, this is, this is the whole thing is to elevate Jesus above all things in your life, above every issue that comes our way, above every issue that we face as a nation or as an individual. 
That, that in your heart, what your faith needs most is to amplify Jesus louder than any of the noise of our culture. Whenever politics get placed over Jesus, frustration and bad things happen. Whenever uh, pandemics and masks get elevated above Jesus, fear and frustration happen. Whenever uh, personal hardships get amplified above Jesus, disillusionment and disappointment happen. When anything gets elevated above Jesus in our life, we become open to these things. It's no wonder our churches and our, our faith, our personal faith has been diminished. It's no wonder. We elevated so many things in our life above Jesus. I'm right here with you. Don't lose your faith over politics or a politician. Don't give them that much power. Don't lose your faith because of pandemics. Don't lose your faith in a perfect God because imperfect people did imperfect things. That's what we do. But don't lose your faith in a perfect God because of it. Don't lose your faith in God because of hard circumstances. We need to pers- what we need personally today is what the Jesus movement needed back then, 2,000 years ago. What we need personally in our faith is what they needed then, a resurrection. A resurrection. A resurrection to elevate Jesus back to his rightful place in our heart and minds. Above all things, we need a resurrection of our faith, if we're honest. When that uh, resurrection happened, when Jesus revealed himself, the Jesus movement exploded. And the people who study such movements have very little to say. They don't know why. It's the outlier. It's the anomaly of all these movements. The resurrection is a catalyst for new life, for new hope, for new faith, for new joy, for new peace. The resurrection wants to rise above whatever you've been facing to have you renew your faith in a Savior above all things. 1 Peter 1.3 declares this, that God has given us a new birth into a hope that is alive. That is what? Alive. Come on, 10 o'clock, that's what? A hope that is alive through the resurrection of Jesus. It's a new birth into a living hope because of the resurrection, not some hope in some dead thing that we hope still works, a living, breathing, thriving, growing hope that always can be renewed. Listen, where the cross killed a son, the resurrection revealed a savior. And we're on the other side of that. And what we have access to today is a savior who's larger than all these things. And the resurrection, it calls you not to a religion, not to a system, not just to come and try to be good. No, it calls you to a savior. That's what Jesus calls you to. He died, he was buried, he rose again. And because of the the resurrection, he offers you. He offers you new life and new hope and new faith. And so the resurrection calls you to come and recenter your life around Jesus and elevate him above all things. Far above politics and pundits and pandemics and polarizings and all earthly hopes, all earthly things. The resurrection calls you to come and place your faith in the one who rose from the grave. To elevate Jesus in your heart so high that perhaps today for the first time, you elevate Jesus so high in your heart that you ask for salvation. And there might be some of you in here today or who are watching with us across the country. 
you've never made that decision to choose to receive Jesus as your Savior. You've never made that, that moment, that prayer, that declaration. But, but the, the, the offer of the, the resurrection is this, to elevate Jesus so high that you see him as Savior. And today you can pray with me to, to invite Jesus into your heart. And Jesus, here's what it says, here's, here's what he said. He said that God so loved us that he gave his only son. And if you believe in him, you'll have true life now and eternal life to come. And the offer of Jesus is this. It's forgiveness in your past. All your past. Even that thing that you're thinking of. All of it. Forgiveness in your past, peace in your present, and hope for your future. That his love is greater than any sin you've ever created. And there are good things ahead for you. And so, it's simple as this. If you want to start your spiritual journey with Jesus, or take the next step in your spiritual journey with Jesus, would you pray with me? Repeat after me. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, I know you died for me. And I declare that you died and rose again. I give you my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus, you are my Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible has some great things for you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that your spirit now belongs to Jesus. You are a new person. Your old life is gone and the new life has begun. And, and, and here's the deal. We as the orchard, we just want to be a partner. We want to be a guide with you on this spiritual journey that you've been on. Your spiritual journey is unique and it led you here today. But we'd love to be a part of your journey moving forward. And so if you would, if you would reach out, we have some resources. I want to talk to you get more of your story, but also we just have some things for you along your journey. And so you can contact us at connect at theorchardlife.com. Just email us. Tell us, hey, I, I was there and prayed that prayer with that guy and, uh, and I'll contact you. But I want to finish by talking to those who, who would say at some point in your life, you've already come to Jesus. You made the decision last week, last night, last year, last decade, whatever it was. But maybe like me, you see that there are many things that you elevated above Jesus this past year. Well-intentioned things even that, that got put higher and higher than him. As you can see, there were a lot of things to, there was a lot of opportunity for that. And perhaps you got caught up in some things. Perhaps you drifted out of habit. Perhaps you drifted out of faith. Perhaps you drifted into some vices. Whatever it would be for you, we faced hardships and our faith suffered. Our relationship suffered. I want to remind you of something those original disciples learned. That, that, that we don't follow a system. We don't follow a religious system. We follow a risen Savior. That we don't interface with a passionless religion. We, we are called to a powerful relationship. And so what you may need today, those of you who've made this decision previously, is maybe you need your faith resurrected. The passion is cold. The faith is faded. You need passion for what's ahead. You need faith for what's ahead. And this is where the resurrection stands. And I want you to know something. God is in the resurrection business. He wants your dead hopes to feel alive again. And for some of us, Hoping again is a scary thing. 
The resurrection says that anything can be brought back to life. This begins by elevating Jesus once again in your heart above all those things. And so if you're here today and you have prayed this prayer sometime in your past, you've been a church person, whatever, 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 but you realize like me that that this last 12 months, you, you coasted, you drifted, you elevated some things above Jesus. Would you pray with me this prayer? God, I've drifted. My faith is colder. My heart is calloused. I want you to do a new work in me. Jesus, I know you died and rose again. Forgive me for for putting things higher than you. Today I declare that my heart is fully yours. Resurrect my faith. Holy Spirit, fill me in a new way. So as we close this and go into worship, I want to just remind us of one thing. I don't need to leave here and feel like you need to do better at religion. I don't need to leave here and feel like I need to go just try real hard to get back in God's good graces. Because of the resurrection of Easter, good graces are offered to you in Jesus Christ. Not because of your behavior, not because of your work, but because of his work. So we don't leave here to try harder. We don't leave here to go be better at religion. We leave here to go love our God and relationship better. The resurrection calls us to a new way of living. And the one thing it says in Ephesians 1, that I just, it's so powerful. Ephesians 1 says this, the same power that raised Jesus from the tomb is within you. That you have resurrection power in your life. And so we elevate Jesus to his rightful place. Will you stand with me today and sing? Let's stand and worship. And I want you to remember as we worship today that worship is not based on how good you sing. Thank goodness. And it's not based on how bad you sing. Praise God. Worship is based because he is worthy to be worshiped and he wants to hear your heart. So if you find yourself thinking if they're hearing you next door, maybe just mouth the words and let God hear the prayer of your heart. Amen? Jesus, I thank you so much for your sacrifice and your resurrection. And I pray today that you would hear our worship and that you would resurrect, even right now in this moment, a fresh faith, a fresh passion to engage with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. And if this is your first time or you're just checking it out, we want to invite you back because here at The Orchard, we elevate Jesus every week. And we're in a series in John about Jesus, about what it means to to follow him and to know him. You can see, because we believe that Jesus, he has the grace to forgive all sins. And he gives us the truth to leave our sin and follow him. And so I would invite you to join us as we uh, continue this journey. You can find out more at theorchardlife.com or if you prefer, You can email me personally. I'd love to hear from you. Daniel at theorchardlife.com. You know what? Love God and love people and happy Easter.